everybody. Welcome back to Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversation between us, female physicians. As always, I'm your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman. I'm your colleague in medicine, and I am your coach in life. And I am here today talking with one of my very best internet friends, Dr. Monisha Vassa. The funny thing with her She was one of my very, very, very first interviews when I started recording back in early 2018. At that time, I was getting some home improvements done to our home. Little did I know that my microphone was picking up all of that noise. So needless to say, we had to scrap that interview. But kind of on an awesome blessing side, she came and did another one and knocked this one out of the park too. So in today's episode, episode number 39, you will actually get two interviews with Dr. Vasa. The first one's the good one, and if you stay tuned after the outro, you can hear the crappy second one from when I was first learning. But I think it's really important to put this out into the world and be super vulnerable and just tell you guys, hey, I'm learning too. I started out as super novice. I had to start somewhere. So... I hope that gives you some encouragement that if you're starting a project, just do the shitty first draft and it'll get better. I promise. Just take that step out, jump into it, and just get going. So, without further ado, let's get into this first interview with Dr. Vasa. Her word is meaning, and I know you're going to fall in love with her as much as I have. Here we go. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Wiseman. I am here today with Dr. Monisha Vassa, and she was actually one of my very first guests when I started recording my podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me back and inviting me back again. Um, I'm honored to be here and to chat with you. Um, So a little bit about myself. Yeah, so I am a general and addiction psychiatrist, um, and I practice in Newport Beach, California, Um, I'm originally from the Midwest, from Chicago, which is where I grew up, and then I moved out to Southern California um, at the time of my residency, Um, and I am in private practice, um, and in addition to that, um, I do a lot of physician well-being work, which is kind of how you and I connected to begin with. Um, I uh, kind of have organized and executed a uh, resident well-being program um, for family medicine residents um, at UC Irvine, which is actually going to be expanding to uh, the Department of Pediatrics as well. Um, So they take care of a lot of residents um, who are currently in training and also see a lot of physicians in my practice. So that's kind of a particular area of focus and interest um, for me. Um, let's see, outside of work, um, I'm married. I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is 12. Uh, my son is almost 11. And we also have three dogs and a cat. Um, and I like to write. Um, I enjoy blogging. I like writing poetry. Um, I like to run. Um, and those are, that's kind of probably the best sort of summary of of who I am. Yeah, you are so amazing. I actually first found you through your poetry that you were writing on Instagram. Oh, thank you. And I remember like 
bookmarking your website. And then after we uh, got connected for that first podcast recording, as you were doing it, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to talk to her. I love this. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that means a lot to me. Um, Poetry is a relatively new interest that I've discovered over the last couple of years and um, just something that I've really enjoyed um, almost as like a personal mindfulness practice of sorts um, in a way and also a way of just kind of sharing my experiences as a human being, as a physician, as a mother, um, you know, with others and also with my patients. A lot of my patients um, read my poetry, which um, has actually made for some really interesting and meaningful conversations with them. Yeah. Well, I love your art with it. And I'm just so glad to have you back. And the word today that we are going to roll our conversation around is meaning. Tell me why you picked that today. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I've actually been thinking a lot about words, especially, you know, as the new year has rolled around and, you know, we've all kind of seen sort of this idea of choose a word for 2019. And, you know, I've thought about so many different words um, lately that represent personal values or things that I want to cultivate more of in my life. Um, But I think meaning is one of those words that is just kind of like a central thread that runs through so many other words, you know, Um, because I feel like when we can stay connected to our deeper intention and our deeper meaning, um, that can guide so many of our conversations, our decisions, our choices, our actions, um, and keep us really sort of close to our own hearts, you know? And so um, I think that's why when I was trying to think of a word that I feel would be kind of most representative of what I would want to share with you and your listeners, I think meaning was the one that just stood out to me. Awesome. And how you describe it almost sounds like an anchoring, you know, that's what I think of like an anchor with a line that, you know, is pulling you towards that kind of center point wherever you kind of wander off to. And Lord knows we all wander. Yes, we all wander. We all wander. And I think we all come back, you know, I mean, and I think that is sort of that's just sort of the process, right? We wander, we experiment, we get distracted, we make mistakes. And then it's, you know, sort of that self-awareness of, oh, I've kind of drifted away from my central purpose and um, sort of my connection to what's meaningful to me. And how can I start taking small steps back towards what that meaning is, you know? And, um, and I think wandering is good. Wandering is a good thing um, because that's how we explore the world and that's how we learn about ourselves. And yet then we kind of pull ourselves back to our center. You know, another central theme that I'm hearing from you in life coaching, a lot of times people talk about your why, like knowing mm-hmm. your why, understanding yes. your why. Mm-hmm. And so I can see where, you know, and I think that's really in the forefront right now with physician wellness is like yeah. reminding everybody like what your meaning is, yes. you know, your purpose, your why. Yes. Is that something that you do pretty often with your trainees and your docs? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's probably a central part of the conversations that I have with almost every doctor that I work with. Um, especially the residents, you know, when I'm checking in with them in terms of their overall well-being or sort of 
level of burnout that they're experiencing, for example, one of the questions that I always ask is how connected do you feel to the meaning of what we're doing here, you know? Um, and, you know, it's interesting with burnout, burnout, you know, obviously, as you know, a core symptom of burnout is feeling disconnected from your meaning or your purpose. But often I think that getting disconnected from meaning or purpose actually leads to burnout as well. I think it can be kind of a chicken or egg kind of scenario sometimes. Um, and so, it always is such a fascinating conversation um, to allow residents that opportunity to actually reflect on that question. Like, am I actually feeling connected to the meaning of what I'm here to do? Um, and really when they sort of can distill down to that question, um, a lot of times it comes down to very small moments that they'll share, you know, like a specific conversation with a patient or a family member or kind of a small gesture or interaction that happened that allows them to actually focus on, oh yeah, actually when, you know, X, Y, or Z happened, that reminded me of why I was here. Um, and I think when we take the time to actually focus in on that in conversation, um, it actually amplifies that connection to the meaning, um, which I think in a way is a bit of an antidote to burnout. Yeah, I think so definitely too. I know that as I've done life coaching and, and worked through my own, when you can mm. finally vocalize that, I mean, just being able to admit to say, I'm not connected, yeah. it's a big step. Yes, yes, it's a big step. And I think it's almost like when you say that out loud, it's an indication to yourself and to whoever might be in the role of helping you or supporting you through that. Like, there's, we need to find the path back to that, you know, um, and we, and the path back to that is going to look different for each person, you know, but um, it's such a terrible feeling to feel to move about your day doing this type of work in medicine and to sort of feel like it all lacks purpose, you know, um, that's a really difficult feeling to experience, especially as a physician, you know, we're all, um, the majority of us went into this because we wanted to take care of people, change lives, you know, save lives, help people be healthier. And, um, when we start to lose that, um, the feeling of what it feels like to do that, you know, one can start to feel very lost. Yeah. And hopeless. I think that's yeah. a big word that comes into it too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what makes me the most sad. Like when I walk down mm -hmm. my own hospital hallway mm -hmm. is when you can see kind of the light dimming. Yes. In <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, I think that's why it's so important even I feel like in medicine, you know, obviously right now, a lot of the conversation is around the struggle, you know, that we all experience in medicine, whether it's, you know, administrative burden, you know, lack of time, financial concerns, you know, reimbursement concerns, EMR concerns, you know, there's some pretty common themes that are very frustrating for doctors. Um, and, you know, and so it, it almost takes a dedicated or conscious effort to actually focus in on the experiences that we might have over the course of a day that are examples of that connection to meaning and purpose. You know, I think they all occur. It's just, I think that they get buried under 
all of the overwhelm, you know, and so it really takes a very, very conscious, dedicated effort to to reflect on those moments, to talk about those moments. Um, and I think it can feel a bit like a drop in the bucket, but I still feel like it's important to to sort of say, okay, what did I do today that was meaningful to me, you know, or to somebody else? And, you know, it could literally be a 30 second interaction, um, you know, but that can be a lifeline if we can, if we can hold on to those. Definitely. And I think too, it helps us kind of, like you said, the navigating our path back to our meaning. Mm -hmm. I think when we can identify when something is most meaningful to us, yes. you know, it's almost like a shining light. Like you need yeah. to walk towards that because yeah. I think so many times we get caught up in the the task or the next thing. If you've got to do that. Yes. And I know that recently I kind of have stopped to do that and be like, okay, what, what is most meaningful? What brings most yeah. passion to my heart? Yeah. Yes. As you, I navigate through my own medical practice yeah. And that's what I would encourage others to do because, like you said, in the world of hustle and bustle and everything that we're going through, it can really get lost in the shuffle. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it might not even be within medicine. You know, sometimes what brings us the most meaning might be something outside of medicine that we've kind of, you know, left somewhere along the way. And we find when we ask ourselves that question, like, oh, I'm really missing that, you know, I'm missing painting, or I'm missing writing, or I'm missing, you know, um, you know, time, you know, calling my mom on the phone every Sunday, or, you know, it's like, it, it just, I think when we stop asking ourselves the question, then sometimes those pursuits and those activities um, you know, can fall by the wayside. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we feel a bit lost and we don't know exactly why. Um, and I think sometimes that's because we find that disconnect between how we're spending our day-to-day -day hours doing things that are not necessarily um, either directly or indirectly connected to what means the most to us. Um, and uh I also think that sometimes those things are like really little things, you know, really little things that don't necessarily take a lot of time, um, you know, but, but when we, when we miss them, we really start to feel disconnected from ourselves. You know, it's like, I know for me, it's like, even if I spend, you know, literally less than five minutes writing in my journal, that five minutes really could fuel me for a very long time, you know, because I feel like, oh, my writing feels meaningful to me. It may not be meaningful to anybody else at times, but it's meaningful to me. And I, I feel like, okay, I spent at least five minutes um, kind of refilling my own tank and now I can go out and meet the needs of other people um, in a way that feels more whole. Yeah, because I think sometimes our altruism almost kills us, you know, mm -hmm. like we're really doing everything for everyone mm -hmm. when I think I think we need to be a little selfish mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. I remember um, 
finishing training and some of my resident colleagues, you know, everybody kind of goes their separate ways after mm -hmm. graduation. And I remember hearing about one of my colleagues who decided, so I'm family medicine. So instead of just, do, you know, doing traditional family medicine type gig, had decided to go in a very like super specialized sliver of medicine. Mm -hmm. And I remember my perception at that time, like, who do they think they are? What are they doing? You know, and now looking back on it, I'm so proud of them to yeah. that they identified that early on. Like, yes. hey, this is who I can take care of. This is where my passion lies. This is where yeah. my purpose lies in life, yeah. and I'm going to go after it. Yes. And I think if more of us maybe had done that yeah. early on. Yes. And then yeah. part of it's the journey, you know, you got to kind of yeah. learn, fall on your face, like what yeah. you like, what you don't like. <laughs> yes. And sometimes it changes, you know, yeah. sometimes what, you know, now, you know, m m many of us might have children, for example. And so what brings meaning and purpose to me now versus 15 years ago when I didn't have children is very different, you know, and it's a so totally different game. Yes, I yes. had one older physician. She recently told me about the maturing of your practice and I had mm. never really looked at it that way. Yes. And yes. I thought that was such a good point to put out yes. into the world because, you know, yes. so many times we get it in our mind, like it's going to be like this and that's how yes. it's going to be. Yes. She even talked about in her own practice, how it has matured from her being a young physician to near retirement now. And I just, I thought that was such a special way to put it because we should let our practice mature. Yes. 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 Well, yeah, just that's such a beautiful perspective, sort of that ability to zoom out and kind of see the arc of how something breathes and lives and grows over time. And, you know, our practices are reflections of ourselves. And so as we grow and change, it totally makes sense that our practices would as well. And, you know, in some ways, I think if I look back over the last 10 years of my own practice, you know, certainly now, for example, I do see a lot more physicians than I used to see back then. And I think part of it has actually been like a bit of claiming that, well, this is the work that gives me purpose. You know, I think in the beginning, I would have felt like, oh, I need to see everybody, you know, I, and what I've re recognized over time is the people that you feel most passionate about seeing, you'll do your best work, you know, um, and so, and fortunately, we have plenty of different doctors who have different passions towards different populations. And, and so, I think part of it has been kind of allowing myself to claim that, you know, that these are, these are people that I feel passionately about caring for, and I am doing my best work um, when I am uh, moving my practice closer to what I feel means the most to me and also that I feel like I'm best at doing, you know, um, mm -hmm. and those two sometimes go hand in hand. But I think it's taken me a while to claim that, you know, I think um, to claim that interest, even to step into the confidence that this is something that I can do and that it's okay to do that. And, um, you know, I think that that has taken time and that's been my own personal journey and, and the growth of my practice has kind of been a reflection of that in some ways. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What do you think had been holding you back previously? You know, I think a, 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 honestly, probably a bit of guilt, you know, kind of feeling like, well, I should be able to see everybody. I should be able to take care of everybody, anybody who walks in the door 
I feel kind of a moral responsibility and obligation. Um, and, and then, you know, as I started to see more and more physicians, you know, initially they were coming in, to, in through my door, honestly, because of substance abuse, you know, concerns, um, and because of that addiction psychiatry piece. Um, and then just, I think there was a part of me that felt like, wow, like when I work with these doctors, I feel like when their mental health stabilizes or when they are stronger in their recovery from substance abuse, they're going on to serve hundreds and thousands of patients themselves. And so there was sort of this, you know, the meaning, in fact, was that there was an amplification of sorts. Um, I could help this one person and then they're going to walk out the door and they're going to go on and help all the people that they're going to help. Um, and so I think once I realized that, I sort of, I think that helped me to kind of say, you know what, it's okay that if this is your passion, it's okay to sort of invite more of that into your practice even if that means that over time you're going to be able to see fewer of other patients that walk in the door, um, you know, it's, that's okay, you know? And so, um, so I, I think that's, that was sort of the kind of the personal journey of, you know, I guess it's kind of a terrible phrase, but sort of this, I think at a certain point I felt like, oh, am I kind of quote unquote cherry picking? You know, I only want to see this kind of patient and not that kind of patient. And then I recognized that it, it wasn't that I had any less compassion for one person or more compassion for anybody else. It was just realizing that this was the work that spoke to my heart and that it, it was okay for me to move in that direction. Beautiful. Yeah, I think it is that cherry picking mentality that we yeah. get into because, you know, yeah. then we, we hold on to resentment and hate yeah. for like our, we see other people doing it. Yeah. But in reality, if you can open up your heart and see yeah. the different perspectives that yeah. someone themselves are living in their own purpose and meaning, yes. um, it makes a huge difference. Yes, yes, yes. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And you know, I really think that probably for, for most physicians, you know, we, there might be for whatever reason, a particular type of patient that just calls to us, you know, um, and whether that's because of our own personal experiences, experiences of family members, or just, you know, there could be so many contributing factors to that. But I think it's okay for us to sort of have that awareness of, oh, these are the types of patients that I do my best work with because I just happen to have a specific type of, um, you know, desire to, to help them. And, and the fact that there are so many of us who are going to feel that way about so many different populations, um, you know, allows that to happen in some ways. Yeah, because who doesn't want to do their best work? <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And, and I do think in the places where we can make some choices about our work and sort of grasp a bit of that agency and autonomy, then I also think that um, we feel less helpless, you know, we feel more in control of our satisfaction. And, and Again, that could be in small ways or big ways, you know, but um, I think it's those small moments where we can just sort of take back a little bit of agency and say, this is something that is meaningful to me. This is something that's important to me. 
and I'm going to make a choice that's aligned with that. Um, once we can allow ourselves to do that, even in very little ways, I think there is something empowering about that. Absolutely. I think mm -hmm. so too. And stepping into that power and mm -hmm. almost giving yourself the, the grace to say, no, I'm, I'm really yes. doing this. Yes. And you know, you are speaking to so many doctors who have all these fascinating side gigs and other interests that they're kind of bringing into medicine with like fitness or nutrition or yoga or, you know, is, um, you know, art. And it's really beautiful to kind of see, I think, um, just physicians kind of allowing what's meaningful and important to them to, to that there is a way to kind of bring that in sometimes to the, just the fabric of what we do. And I think it allows us to feel in a way more integrated, you know, that, um, that we can let those things inform what we do in medicine and we can let medicine inform those other interests and passions and hobbies and that we can, you know, find a way to let all of it be important to us. Yeah, it's been great to have all the different examples of the different types of practices. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, how people are integrating their lives. Some people are making yeah. transitions out of medicine where yeah. other people are transitioning that into medicine. And it just, yeah. it gives me hope for the future yeah. because then it's like not one size fits all. You know, yeah. we can, we can be yeah. a kaleidoscope and yeah. be supportive in that. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. No, I completely agree. One yeah. one quote that has caught my eye um, going into this new year too is talking about um, distilling down your life to just pure joy. And I have loved uh, that because yeah. I feel like so many times our life do, does get diluted down. Yes. And like that process of um, distilling, I mean, I go back to like my yes. advanced chemistry days and thinking about yes. all of that yes. because yes. I'm a chemistry geek. I love that. <laughs> and so just as you're talking, I feel like as we're talking about meaning, it really is mm -hmm. about like distilling down those parts of your life and, and making them more part of the solution, you know, yes. of, of the chemistry of our yes. lives. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I think it, I think that there's so many kind of ways in which that could unfold, you know, like in some ways, I think it's kind of what we've been talking about. How do you consciously make choices that invite more joy into your life or into your medical practice, you know, um, and not feeling guilty about that and letting that be okay. And then I also think it's about like noticing the moments of joy that already exist. Um, kind of like the questions that I asked the residents, you know, what are the moments where you do find yourself feeling connected to, to the meaning of what you're doing? You know, it's almost this idea that we're always sort of looking for how we can invite more joy in and then at the same time how can we notice the joy that already exists and mm -hmm. i think for me i think i tend to be stronger at the first one like thinking okay i can you know do x y or z i can spend 10 minutes today you know writing in my journal or meditating or going for a run or whatever and that's going to be something that brings me joy because it's meaningful to me um, but I think I struggle a little bit more with noticing the joy where it's already present, um, like getting a bit caught up in the overwhelm of day-to-day -day life. And I notice that especially with parenting, you know, that I can get so 
like onto the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, you're so like all of a sudden you kind of step back and you kind of think, Oh my gosh, like I'm like such a buzzkill right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like the least fun person here, you know? And I, I think that I just have to, it's kind of like a personal check, you know? Um, and kids will be a constant reminder of that as well pets for those of us who have them, you know, that it's like, okay, we don't have to take it all so seriously all the time, you know, that um, things will get done one way or the other. And we can either have fun while we're doing it, or we can be grumpy while doing it. Um, Either way, you know, it's probably going to take the same amount of time. And one way is going to, you know, be more rewarding than the other. So that that's kind of a personal thing that I'm still I think working on, which is, you know, there is plenty of joy that is to be found just in as things are, you know, um, I have to work on my eyes, you know, to, to see it, you know. Uh, Exactly. Well, Mm -hmm. did you do the word thing? Did you pick a word for 2019? You know, there have been different ones that came to me. um, But I think the one that I kind of that comes back a little bit as a more recurring theme is the word surrender. Um, I think that, you know, and probably many of your doctors who are listening to this can relate sort of for our our sort of type A nature, you know, we often try to control, right? We want to control the direction that, you know, our work is moving in, our kids are moving in, we are moving in, we set you know, goals and resolutions. And, you know, we, we have things that we want to accomplish. Um, And I think that in the process of doing that, at least for me, sometimes I lose a bit of like the magic that can happen when you just surrender to life unfolding, you know? Um, And so, you know, I, and I think that kind of connects to what I was just saying about the personal struggle of not seeing the joy around me, you know, kind of this idea of surrendering to that a little bit and allowing some of that magic to kind of come back in, you know, um, and to not feel like I I have to hold on so tightly to everything in order for it to fall into place, you know. um, That's beautiful. I love it. Well, my word for this year, I'm the same way. I, it took me, there's still a couple floating around in my head. Who knows? I may, I may switch in three months. (laughs) But the one I picked was um, collaboration. And Mm -hmm. why I picked collaboration, the first part is, is my intent for the year is to start collaborating more with myself. So yes. I am one that I feel like I fight my body or my mind yes. a lot, you know, yes. push through, just yes. get it done, get yes. your workout in, even though it's yes. 5 a.m. and you probably should. Yes. So, yes. so collaboration yes. with myself to listen to yes. my body more and to work together with it rather than yes. view it as an enemy. collaboration with my family the same thing that you were just talking about about Mm -hmm. like being intentional in the moment and just seeing um I'm very much a lone wolf and I will take things all on my shoulders and not pass it off and so that collaboration with my husband and my children and then the the collaboration um as far as business like I've Mm -hmm. I really think about um 
just being open with other female physicians yes. and saying, what yes. are you doing and how can I support you? Yes. And being honest and then telling them, this is how you can support me. Instead yes. of acting like you have your shit all together, yeah. asking for help. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. And I think that, you know, it can be really challenging, you know, I mean, especially I think as physicians, when we feel like we kind of should have the answers to do things. And sometimes we've might also feel like our way is kind of the right way or the best way. And, you know, and so I think it, it does deprive us of some of that opportunity for collaboration and connection and to really learn from others, you know, um, you know, I had a, a conversation yesterday with my daughter. We were kind of at odds with one another um, about, you know, a school-related issue. I wanted her to do something that she didn't want to do, and we were kind of, you know, getting into it a little bit. And and so I tried to take a bit of a step back, and we were going to see a movie, um, that Mary Poppins movie, you know. So we we were walking to the theater, and we were having a conversation. And I said, you know, I really actually just it's less about the issue, but what I really want is for you and I to work on our communication and our relationship, you know, and it could be this issue in two days, it's going to be another issue. I want us to work on how we can work together, you know, um, and that means that I'm going to have to change some things. And that means that you're going to have to change some things, you know, and maybe, you know, we can give each other feedback on what's working and not working so that we can both work towards this goal. And I, you know, what you said just reminded me of that conversation with her. And, you know, I'm not going to say she was super open to the idea in the moment. I mean, but it it is sort of like kind of getting underneath the the surface issue and kind of like recognizing at the end of the day, this is about how we relate to each other and how we can sort of, um, you know, all be in it together for a common good, you know, um, and, and so there's no I, winning. That's what I've learned yes, with life. There's yes. no winning. It all yes. eventually ends. So yes. we might as well yes. have the most wonderful connections with each other. Yes. Yes. And even if there was winning, you know, and we, had to sacrifice all these relationships and moments to, to kind of get to know one another in a meaningful way in order to get to that goal. I don't know that it would have been worth it, you know? So I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there's so, there are so many ways that we can, we can grow like that. It's a beautiful intention that you have with that word. Well, thank you. Well, I'll keep you accountable to your word. Yes. Keep me accountable. Yes. To mine. Yes. If our listeners want to check out your poetry or hang out with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Oh, thank you. Yeah, probably the best way is just my website, which is um, monishavasa.com. Um, just my name, uh, .com. And that has writings. It has kind of some blog posts, um, some, you know, kind of a link to my practice. And so that's probably the, the best way to kind of connect. Perfect. Well, I will put that in the show notes. I'll probably also put your, um, Instagram handle so people can look okay. at your beautiful poetry. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you for you. doing take two with me on this. <laughs> I think it was better than the first one. <laughs> I, it was so much fun and I really appreciate you inviting me back and having the chance to talk to you again and, and congratulations for just getting this launched and 
you know, having the wonderful speakers that you've had on. I'm just honored to be a part of it. Yay! I told you it was so good. Well, here's your kick of encouragement. A poem I stole from Dr. Vasa. Here we go. When the only thing I know is that I am lost, I search for the path in letters and space and ink, in writing down the words of all that feels true. It is the only way back to my heart, the only time I hear her whisper, trust, surrender, love. The three words that guide my each and every step when I can remember them. So my friends, trust, surrender, and love. If there's any way that I can help or any of my guests, please reach out to us. We are here for you. We don't know who's listening. We don't know what you do. We don't know your problems. But believe you me, we want to be part of your tribe. So remember, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Erin Wiseman and I have a very special guest with me today. She is so amazing that I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I also have to admit I didn't get a bio ahead of time. So she's going to tell you how absolutely fabulous she is. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so my name is Monisha Bassa. Um, I'm a psychiatrist um, and I am in Southern California. In And I'm also a mom of two young kids, an 11 and a 10 year old um, who just started school this week. So it's a bit of a rocky, rocky week for all of us. Um, things related to medicine and motherhood and just living life in general. Um, that's, that's kind of sums, sums up my um, my world. Well, you're amazing, Dr. Vasa. Um, today, our world is connection. So our word is, excuse me, our word is connection. That our conversation is going to gravitate around. And um, we were talking prior to this recording just about um, all the similarities that we have as far as what we believe um, with as physicians, the connection we have both with our own lives and our practice. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about your work and what you do around the work of connection? Yeah, I mean, I think psychiatry is in many ways all about connection. You know, I, I think a lot of times I feel very grateful for the work that we do um, in psychiatry because so much now you know about the way we like an analog kind of profession you know in one's life and it really becomes an opportunity to cultivate a sense of connection within oneself and to discuss it. 
so much of mental health is about prioritizing that internal awareness and that self-awareness um, and then also So, um, so I think psychiatry is all about, is all about connection. All of that first requires a sense of connection within ourselves before we can then put a message out there, whatever that message may be. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it, and it's, it's not just psychiatry. I think you guys are maybe best in touch with the connection. I know that I feel it at times, too, in primary care and even in emergency medicine. Um, when you really have a deep connection with people, um, it goes beyond just the physical healing that you're able to do. It's, it's having that, um, that internal, almost spiritual touch with people. And I think too many times through medical school and through residency training, um, the emphasis that was on being very guarded, when in fact I find when I am vulnerable to patients, when I open up to them, or even if there's at times where you just look at them and say, I don't know why you are feeling this way, they almost appreciate that because then that connection um, flows better and flows out to them better. And you're so right that, yeah, maybe in psychiatry, we focus a little bit more, you know, on that self-awareness and, and that connection, you know, with one another. But you're so right that in any specialty, in any interaction inside of medicine, outside of medicine, all of those, um, you know, interpersonal moments that we have are, are moments to have true meaningful contact with another human being if we choose to see those moments in that way. Um, and, you know, you're, you're exactly right that even in the emergency room or in the OR or in an urgent care setting, um, we can choose to take a brief interaction um, and really use it as a way to, to have a moment of, of direct contact with, with someone else, so in that case, our patients. Um, and I, I agree. I think we often felt in medical school that maybe the messaging was sort of that if we allowed ourselves to care too much for our patients or if we opened ourselves up um, emotionally to the what it means to be a doctor to our patients, that we would be at risk for burning out more quickly or that um, we somehow would lose our objectivity or that we had to kind of make a choice between you know, empathy and caring for the patient and self-protection. Um, and I actually feel that it's actually the opposite, that I think the more comfortable we become in opening up to the experience of caring for our patients and allowing those experiences to matter to us, um, the more that we can stay invested in what we do and the more that we allow ourselves to be changed by each patient that we encounter and um, the nature of this work. And, and I think that's why most doctors go into medicine is to have that sense of um, changing others and being changed um, by, by um, doctoring. Absolutely. I was recently at a conference and one of the statements that was made was, you get to write a sentence in someone's story. 
and I just found that so life-changing to me because as a physician we we honestly we get to write some pretty huge um, sentences in people's lives for the good but also sometimes for the bad or for the harmful as well you know they have a major life shift after a big heart attack or you know their wife had a stroke or you know that was a that was a fundamental change in their life and I feel like when we do get hard and when we do kind of armor up um, we we turn people into objects and we forget that we're, we get to be a part of their story so why wouldn't they want to also be a part of our story as well um, I can think of so many powerful patient encounters um, as even in my community as I, I see old patients um, there's that connection there that they're like you were my doctor and you know whatever the story is it's like you walk away from it and you're like yeah there's a little tie that binds us there I mean, our, our patients, you know, we're, we're with them in some of their most challenging times. Sometimes we're with them in some of their greatest, happiest times as well, um, depending on, you know, at which intersection in their illness or recovery we, we find, you know, ourselves there. And, um, and I, I agree that, you know, Sometimes, you know, as a broader perspective, you know, you've probably heard that saying that everybody you meet is a teacher of some sort, you know, and I think that um, almost every patient encounter, every person that we meet um, that we're taking care of, that I often feel like there's so much that I'm learning from them um, about with my patients, certainly, you know, illness, recovery, courage, vulnerability, um, you know, how resilience, how we get through difficult times in our lives. Um, and oftentimes when I'm going through a difficult time, I can call upon a, you know, something that a patient might have shared with me and, and, you know, that becomes part of how I in turn deal with that challenging part. Um, and of course, you know, we, we understand that we're really there in this role to be there for the patient. They're not there to be there for us, but I think it's just um, allowing ourselves to be changed and shifted and to learn um, and grow from each of these encounters um, and, and, you know, um, opportunities to, to allow ourselves to be, be changed by what we do. You know? Absolutely. I think, too, it just shows your maturity as a physician. Like, as you start to interact with people, you, you really get to know a sense of, who are my people that I want to care for? You know, when we all start out, we just want to help and cure everybody. And then we pick a specialty and, you know, and through residency, we figure out what that is. But I feel like as I have matured as a physician, I feel like that's part of it too. And I know that both of us both have an interest in helping other physicians mm -hmm. as our kind of our calling, like our people that we find that, yeah, we, we like to take care of, um, you know, what we were traditionally trained for for um, in our training but as we've we've matured in that um, role it I know that we each have a calling I think it's been interesting to see that in my colleagues I, I have one best friend who's family medicine trained but she's transitioned over into um, the medical weight loss side and she loves it and just seeing how other people have matured um, you know, sometimes we get criticized of that by, you know, becoming super specialized. 
But I almost think that is allowing yourself to be a part of people's story and to find what really like lights you up with that. Wouldn't you say that's kind of particularly what you have found in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, I think that we all, for whatever reason, feel drawn towards a particular population or a particular, sometimes it's a particular diagnosis, sometimes it's a particular population of people, sometimes it's a particular type of work that for whatever reason calls upon something in us um, and brings out the best in what we're able to offer and provide. And, um, you know, certainly in my practice, I see, I treat a number of physicians um, who are struggling with mental health or substance abuse issues. And um, this is work that I have been doing since, you know, my residency and fellowship in terms of supporting other physicians um, in their mental and emotional well-being. And I just find it so incredibly rewarding um, for a couple of different reasons. I think probably the primary reason is that I really feel like when we're able to move forward and if I'm able to support another physician in getting well and staying well, my my effect is somewhat amplified, right? Because they're going to then go on to take right. care of. And so you sort of have that awareness that I'm helping this one person and they're going to go on to help hundreds or thousands of other people. And um, as you said, I wrote a small line in that story, you know, so you feel like, there's an amplification of, of the work. Um, but also I feel like in medicine, it's, you know, it's really, really difficult for doctors to acknowledge that they need help. I mean, we're very used to being in the role of being caregivers for other people. Um, and it's difficult for a variety of reasons for us to kind of let our guard down um, and acknowledge the very real struggles that we Right. I've been helped, you know, by other doctors in my life, and I'm so grateful for them. And so it's, you know, I think there's a sense of privilege in being let in, um, you know, with with these docs who historically or, you know, I think traditionally struggle to acknowledge that they're feeling depressed or they're feeling anxious or they're feeling burnt out or they're they think they're drinking too much or whatever it may be, um, you know. Uh, I think it really feels a bit like a privilege and an honor to, to be let into that um, and for them to really allow me to support them in working through that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I certainly see everybody, but um, this population of um, doctors in, in particular, I really feel a great sense of reward in, um, in working with them and, and supporting Absolutely. And it's beautiful work, too, because um, when when you can come eye to eye and colleague to colleague, it's a really special bond. And so just amazing work that you're doing with that. Now, just switching gears a little bit, um, you know, none of us are immune to burnout. Um, we know that it's a systemic issue. Um, you know, there's been a lot of shift taken off the individual lately and moving more towards the cultural and um, the system-wide issues um, that are facing all of us as physicians. Um, and I know psychiatry is not immune to this either, um, as much as, as we want to say, and you know how those studies come out that's like, oh, family medicine is the most burned out now, or, 
ER medicine. You guys are toasty. Yeah. What are what are some of your takeaways as far as um, from your psychiatry perspective that I think you guys do a little bit better job, I'll be perfectly honest, kind of than the rest of us. What would be some tips that you would give um, a person like me, who is family med and ER, the two highest groups of burnout, um, and, and still a young physician, you know, still, still someone who has decades ahead in their career. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think it, you're right. It's a complex issue, and it's always sort of this balance between what we can do as individuals to support ourselves um, in, in trying to minimize burnout, and then also kind of the systems-wide issues that still need to be addressed, like from a more cultural um, and system standpoint in medicine. Um, but if we're going to focus on the individual, I think probably one of the reasons in psychiatry that maybe we tend to fare a little bit better is because, you know, we talk about, you know, things like self-care and healthy boundaries, for example, like right from day one as part of what, that's part of just our training, right? And so I think that... Um, really thinking about what meaningful self-care looks like for you as an individual, I, I think is probably the fundamental, um, the fundamental protection that we can all offer ourselves. And, you know, I think that a lot of times we think of self-care as like, oh, like I'm gonna, um, you know, go get a massage this weekend. Or I always say you can't yoga it away. <laughs> There's only so much of that you can do you know I mean I think that certainly there's a place for that for that you know but I really encourage people to think about what is it that I actually need you know do I need to go talk to somebody about what's on my mind am I feeling lonely am I feeling isolated am I missing connection with my partner um, do I need some time with my journal to reflect on a difficult patient situation that came up or a situation that involves grief or loss that I haven't dealt with? Do I need to find a supervisor that I can talk to or a coach or a therapist, you know, um, and to really think about, you know, what does meaningful self-care look like in any given moment in time and how can we prioritize that without feeling guilty or without feeling selfish. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely a role for yoga and mindfulness and all of those things. Um, but I also think that we need to be able to ask ourselves the very honest question of what is it that I am meeting and recognize that we all deserve to take whatever steps we need to to meet those needs. Sometimes that might mean taking time off, you know, um, especially if we're already on our way to burnout. Sometimes that's the only way that we can really give ourselves the time and space that we need to um, really start to recuperate, you know. Um, so I, I think that's a, a sort of a, a really important fundamental in terms of protecting against burnout. Um, and then with my doctors, and you and I talked about this a little bit too. You know, we often think about one of the consequences of burnout being feeling disconnected from the meaning of what we do, you know, um, and I also think that it goes the other direction as well, that when we start to feel disconnected from the meaning of what we do, we often feel that often leads to burnout, you know, so um, I like to talk to my, with my doctors about um, 
what are the small ways that we can kind of capture the significance of those little moments, you know, because over the course of a given day of there's also, there's so much stress and there's difficult situations and there's challenging encounters with our colleagues and, you know, administrators and, you know, patients who might be upset with us for whatever reason. Um, and unless we, I think, make a conscious effort to focus in on those moments of, um, again, connection or meaning or reward or where we really had an impact, I think those tiny moments can get so swept away in the stress of a day. Um, and so um, even if we just make that a part of our conversations with our colleagues, or again, we take a moment in a journal to reflect at the end of the day about like, oh, I had this one situation with a family member that was really a sacred moment. You know, we, we allow our, we, I guess we kind of train our minds to, um, take that in as much as we're taking in also the difficulties, you know. Um, and so I think that's another important part of, of burnout prevention. Um, and then I think, help, you know, just trying to do our best to set healthy boundaries, you know, with anything. If we lose ourselves in it, um, that's not good for us. That's not good for our patients, you know. So, um, you know, if we need to sort of shut down the computer at a certain time, you know, if we need to you know, make sure we're taking our vacation, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is that we need to be doing that we recognize that sometimes those boundaries not, they don't just protect us, they protect our patients too, you know, so right. I think those are some kind of just fundamental strategies that um, across the board can probably be helpful for all of us, myself included, even as I'm saying, right you know, to me, you know, like, oh, yeah, just, you know, again. I got to do that too. Dang it. Yeah, that's exactly those are the exact same things I talk about when people come to me. Um, mine is um, remembering your why. Well, you know, why did you go into medicine? Um, why did you take this job? Why, you know, remembering your why. And then, yeah, celebrating small victories. I always make people, even if it's just like jotting it down on the um, post-it note or just a text in their phone, you know, celebrating those small victories. Because when we know through human psychology that, you know, it takes, what, seven positives to negate a negative. And, oh, my God, there's a lot of negatives every single day. And then, yeah, boundaries. I always like to illustrate boundaries are not always about keeping things out. Sometimes it's about keeping what you want in. I'm a farm girl and I've had livestock my whole life. And you know, fences are not always built to keep out critters. A lot of times it's about keeping your livestock where you want them. And so I always remind people as you're setting boundaries, remember the good reasons why you want boundaries. Remember what you want to keep in your life so that you can build those fences to keep the things like the coons and the, you know, coyotes out of your barnyard. So I love it. Yes, we are exactly on the same page. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I would love to keep it going, but I know that you have got a clinic scheduled to get back to, and I applaud you for taking the time to talk with us. I will have more information if you all are interested in the show notes. And as always, we would love to talk to any and everyone who feels like they need our help. Thanks, guys. Connection. Oh, this has been so good doing this podcast. 
to for my own connection, speaking with other female physicians from across the country about numerous different things. I have to admit to you guys, I am the only female physician in my county um, here in Indiana. So I am learning the true value of connection. And actually, there are quite a few studies now coming out that show that when physicians can make direct in-person connections that are filled with trust, that these groups actually help negate burnout and increase personal wellness scores. So if you are a part of a group, be it a journal club, a book group, um, you know, a women's get together group, just something where you can get together with colleagues in a trusting situation where you can kind of offload some of your burdens and talk through some issues, I would highly recommend that you do this. I, with another couple set of female physicians in my area, start what we call Women in Medicine after we went to the Indiana State Medical Association's Women in Medicine event last February. And let me tell you, over the past year, just meeting every other month with other female physicians from our hospital system, it has been powerful. We always ask two questions, and these are the two questions that I'm going to ask you and ask you also to share them with another female colleague are, the first one is, you tell what has been your greatest victory since the last meeting? And the other question that we ask is, what has been your greatest struggle? And let me tell you, if you can open up your heart and answer those questions truthfully and in a safe space, it really does lead to some meaningful conversation and some overall health improvement. The other question I want you to ponder while you're thinking about this is what Dr. Vasa brought up. And I still ponder this question at times as I'm thinking about my own self-care, but it, her question was, what is it that I'm needing? Like I mentioned before in the interview, I really truly don't believe that yoga can negate physician burnout. But I really do believe that we all need to take an introspective look to figure out what is it that we're really needing that will replenish us. Is it rest? Is it a decrease in patient? Is it a different patient type? Is it starting at a different time? Is it doing different procedures? Is it having a certain type of food? Is it the ability to um, trust our staff or take a vacation or so many other numerous factors? But I just challenge you to ask yourself these questions and really dig in deep and think about them. As always, I appreciate you guys so much for coming. And this is a wrap for the Dr. Me First podcast for today. 